Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast episode number 100 and I've completely forgotten because we've had a two week break, haven't we? Yeah, shocking. Yeah, people have probably... I reckon we've lost a shit ton of listeners because they have switched on to another podcast and not come back. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I think my mum stopped. Um, your mum stopped. Um, that probably leaves us. Yeah, that's it. We've got no listeners anymore. Yeah, the other six are bots. I don't even think bots listen to us, mate, if I'm honest. Okay. No. So. <laughs> oh, well. That's the end of that, Emily. Should we just sign off now? (laughs) What a cheery way to start a podcast. Anyway, how are you, Johnny? I'm uh, I'm pretty good, actually. I feel a bit uh, bit wrecked off the legs today, actually, funny enough. A nice little leg session today. Our leg sessions are aligned, don't they? Mm. As in mine's always, or one of mine. I, I train at a twice per week frequency um, over a seven day period and mine are always on a Sunday and a Wednesday uh, I want to mine some specific days it depends on what I do in my work if I come off a night shift legs it's just not there's a no go I could do it I'm not saying I could do it but you know the you won't get the most out of it or no, the, fer- the ferocity of the when you get into the last one or two sets like before you die it's just mentally not there so I'd rather not yeah well you do seem to have this training mentality of like I I like to die in my training sessions like almost literally almost literally not quite literally but almost I could do with a training partner as well do you think do you think I mean I know you've you've often referenced your I want to say Polish or 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 a non-British training partner you used to have who was like ridiculously yep. like mental. But do you kind of miss or do you think that having someone like him will push yeah. you and get more out of you? Yeah, because you you obviously think yeah that that's failure, but you think if someone's in your face, like you probably get one or two more. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's always it's always a thing of war. It's it's someone else's perspective of what you've got left. For 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 me, it's like it's hard because obviously it differs so much person to person. Like some people will, you know, no doubt this dude's like completely opposite, where he should probably be finishing earlier than he probably does. Um, and I probably I'd probably argue maybe you might even be a little bit that, having kind of you know not really seen you train too much, but I get the impression maybe you're a bit like you if you were to be on any end of the spectrum, that'd be the spectrum you'd be on. Um, whereas obviously clearly other people are quite often on the spectrum of they don't push themselves hard enough we've obviously talked about it before where a lot of people in the gym will go in and they'll stop at a relative intensity or a um, kind of perceived intensity of something where you're like mm, you had a lot more in that or you could do a lot more and you would see a lot better progress if you did kind of push yourself a bit closer towards actual failure but there's I'm, I kind of I, there's obviously different kind of ways to measure failure and yeah. it's not as clear cut as a an exercise obviously you know literally failing in terms of kind of pure mechanical muscular failure where you just crumble under a bar says a squat there's obviously a certain bit where you've got kind of muscular contraction failure where your muscles won't contract but you can obviously 
still perform a a an assemblance of a, a of a repetition of something because you start to bring in other muscle groups or kind of use more momentum or, or other reasons i guess that's like the real difficult part of yes you can maybe do more reps but are they actually quality reps are they actually kind of maintaining the principles of kind of training that we would expect of people i got a lap pull down i take it to a certain point and if i can't get there physically then it's failed so some of them is not true muscular failure if you know what i mean like if you're on a i don't know front of leg press you can go there can you because you know it just drops maybe whatever you're not gonna die you on there yeah but and you couldn't you you know where your form is you don't if you just you go all the way down to normal and if you can't get back up they fail you that's it but on a lap pull you can easily do another five more if the feminine bar is half a foot from your chest I mean, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. And a lap pull is probably a good example because obviously, you know, you could do more if, like you say, the range of motion shortens or like you know, your shoulders start to round over and you're no longer kind of using your lats and you're starting to pull down with kind of like more more shoulder usage and kind of more triceps or other or biceps and other parts of the your musculature and not just kind of the the bits you're supposed to be targeting. I mean, obviously, that's something you quite often see with people with with lats as a, a lat pull downs or any type of kind of like. Um, like vertical pull type movements of they when a when a weight is too heavy or they're kind of picking a you know like a load that's too high um that's that's often some of the the key giveaway straight away where you can tell it's just too heavy for you because of things like your shoulders start to round they start to kind of lean forward a bit more and they you know they don't they kind of can't pull the bar down to their chest um they're kind of almost trying to get their chin up to the bar almost and that that's kind of what I mean by this this kind of difference between actual failure and obviously kind of like true muscular failure. Um, I mean, obviously we've we've talked about and we've got handouts and stuff that we give to clients and things that we try to kind of clear that we think there's these kind of five principles of training that people should follow it where like each rep should be slow, controlled, repeatable. So like I think I've heard other people use this. Um, I skates me who, but kind of using the the kind of not the analogy, the the kind of the 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 phrase of like control the weight doesn't don't let it control you. So as in kind of like don't let momentum can take take over. Make sure you're controlling each part of the the rep. Um, I guess like other points, so just make sure like there's a clear start point, a clear end point, so that kind of full active and range of motion. Um, and then just also consider things like my muscle connection and and kind of make sure that each um, each kind of set is is actually close enough to the these things the types of failure that we're talking about. Like it's in this like effective range and not just you know you've done a set of twenty five bicep curls and you could have done another thirty without even noticing. You know yeah. you're so far away from failure that you're actually not going to be stimulating any type of growth. So there's the kind of like the the five training principles that we kind of talked through. Um, it's just difficult to put that into practice, isn't it? And and kind of really get all of those things kind of nailed at the same time. I think that's why like a lot of people just take so long to get into a place where their training is what's considered quality because all of the things take so long. And that's not a criticism or kind of a, a slight on anyone because we all we all take years and years and years. Like I think most of us would say we've been training for ten years, but a lot of us would say actually we're probably for true quality the late the latter stage of that only and not not like from the start. We all go for that period where we learn, don't we? Yeah, you know, it's quite a big learning curve, isn't it? Until you, I think you've got to be lucky. You know, maybe that's where the pros, obviously, with the genetics, they seem to get it right. Well, I say get it right, but a lot of them get it right, and they they find what works for them straight away, and they form 
well, I say the pros, I shouldn't really say some of them are shocking and I, but a lot of them, it's it's rare to get it right straight away, isn't it? It's yeah. need of a good training partner who's who's has been doing it a few years. You almost need like uh you need to have you need to be taken under someone's wing and who's been there, done it, knows the crack, is not a tool and knows how to train. Because if you can get that right straight away, you make as well as much progress as you ever will in the first couple of years. Yeah, no, no, I, this is, what I was going to say is I think all of these factors of training are almost like these tiny, tiny, tiny pieces of jigsaws that kind of you eventually have to kind of get all in the right place. And it does take a long, long time to kind of get all of those pieces into the right place at the same time. 100%. 100%. Really. Because yeah, as you learn, as you, as you start training, maybe you're not like that and you do it for, I want to get bigger, I want to lose weight. And it's like, oh, this is quite hard. He's doing that, what's he doing with that? You learn different things, you learn about nutrition, learn about supplements, learn about training, how to train different routines. It does take a while because it's a lot of bullshit as well, isn't it? It's like, yeah. who do you listen to? I, I even think, like, to the point of, you know, I've just talked about things like range of motion and. Um, you know, you start talking about your kind of like active range, passive range, um, and that's so different person to person because we've all got different anatomy. Even though you know we're all human beings with a you know a similar skeleton, they do all differ. And even then, like you train for years before you start to make little adjustments and learn. Like almost every training session, like slight little tweaks or slightly different like arcs of motion or slightly different, just different different ways of training on different movements. Oh, sorry, you know just ever slight little tweaks on things that work for you that might not work for someone else and that that just take you just I, I, even now i think i'm learning almost m- most sessions i'd kind of ch- make tiny little tweaks and all oh, that feels a bit better or oh, actually now that seems to be hitting the right um kind of the right muscle groups for the for what i'm trying to accomplish on that exercise and it's amazing really that that still happens i've been training for 10 years but i would probably only say again the last two or three years with kind of true it's hard to say quality because for the reason I've just said because obviously you're still always learning but kind of like following more of the scientific principles and, and kind of following these true training principles the last couple of years or a few years but even now I'm still kind of finding these little tweaks of doing little different things that think like almost oh, squat changes like almost monthly because I suddenly just you know learn a different cue or, or a different way of kind of following through the exercise plane that's what I did recently when I squat I've gone Usually now, I've used to be quite wide before, but now I seem to be able to squat decently, relatively narrow. And so when I'm narrow, I've decided now to pull, because I've seen it a few times, people will punt their toes quite wide out. And I find that does help now and again. Yeah. It's a bit of a learning thing, mind, because you have to adjust your feet. Mm. But yeah. that's another one. But that's, that's the sort of thing I'm talking about, is where, like, how complicated it is and even taking the squat example like where hand width on the bar or like yeah are you are your feet face forward better for you or they slightly point out better does that does that open your hips up by having your feet pointed out a bit more for a lot of people that's probably true like how how what sort of wide stance do you have um so many different things you can kind of tweak to kind of help you have have like a, a more efficient motion and therefore kind of like not leaking energy and therefore make you stronger and um improve the stimulus to fatigue kind of element of that lift so that you are getting a better stimulus for less fatigue cost 
that that, that all of those little things all add up over time you just make little tweaks where all of a sudden you know you're kind of perfecting that as you go and i'll be honest like you listen to people that have been in the game i sound fucking stupid saying that phrase actually in the game but um you listen to people that have been bodybuilding for decades people like jeff alberts and you know um, John Meadows and the guys out there that, that are, are well known, they talk about they're doing this still now after 30, 40 years of training. They're still doing little things, they're still making little kind of tweaks to, to exercises and stuff. Yeah, that's, it's like it's, it's, a, it's always a never stops, is it? From all training, like you always find something different to do or little tweaks you know that makes you feel better, especially when you get a bit older and you go, maybe you carrying a few injuries, you'll have to w- do things to work around injuries. Yeah. And, Don't see a lot lately. Not and speaking of injuries, is everyone's going to hard on for deadlifting? I haven't deadlifted in not not really at all. Oh, or sorry, I should say I've not conventional deadlifted now for well over a year, if not yeah. longer. Like in the gym I go to, you, you see, like there's a. He seems pretty good. I don't know. I don't know where he's really. I, I've seen him. But he seems well acknowledged. because he's one of those like. Um, does a bit of gymnastics, interviews, not powerlifting as such, but every client deadlifts. Like, do they really need to deadlift? What's the point? What's the point? Well, it's mostly dangerous. It's one of the most dangerous exercises it is. And what benefit are they getting from it? None, probably. If they work, work, their legs is better exercise. If they want a bit of back work, there's better exercises for your back. So I don't really see the reason for it anymore. No, not how much damage it, it does, and the form, generally speaking, isn't that good. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I think the deadlift. If I was to criticise the or critique, I should say the deadlift, I would say it's a complicated movement. Probably agree to say that it's it's kind of like a higher risk of injury than the most movements. Certainly, anecdotally, you, you kind of hear that you know people are more often injured doing like deadlifts than, than kind of like anything else. Although I'm not sure if the evidence necessarily reflects that, but I could be wrong. But then, you know, whatever, we'll, we'll, we'll basically understand, or people need to understand that. Obviously, that's just an anecdote saying that. Um, but I do kind of agree. I think that there are far better exercises to pick if your goal is hypertrophy anyway, in terms of kind of muscle gain, um, for things like for any of your posterior chain or um like hamstring development which a lot of people are doing it for hamstrings and kind of that that glute or posterior chain development i think it's better size you could do with a far better again stimulus fatigue ratio than deadlifts um i mean i just find like deadlifts i was getting injured a bit too often like little nothing serious but the odd little tweak or something i just didn't feel comfortable on my back for a, for a few days or a couple of weeks um and <sighs> dare I say I didn't really feel like I was progressing or kind of bear in mind my goal is hypertrophy not kind of really creating much so I just took it out and thought you know what there's 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 no reason for me to actually deadlift you know I'm not a powerlifter I don't have to deadlift there's plenty of other exercises that I can choose to kind of still get a goal for hypertrophy and arguably as I say ones that would be better for me because it doesn't absolutely fuck up the rest of my sessions or like even my week because it's just so tiresome deadlifts like you, you do like a set of heavy deadlifts they absolutely ruin you like to, right. yeah like your central nervous system and just that general like not even like that local fatigue that's kind of like that general fatigue where like you're kind of and i don't know if this is even scientifically or physiologically correct in terms of saying this but i think if i say it people understand what i mean but that like again that central nervous system fatigue where you're just generally like meh 
well, I can't do any more. Like, I, it, even though I've not worked like my biceps, I can barely do a bicep curl because that ties me up kind of feeling. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I, I get it. I'm with you. And that's why I don't deadlift. But I do do some variants, like as in like a Romanian deadlift for, for kind of yeah. something a bit more um, stimulating to hamstrings, say, rather than kind of just your whole posterior. Um, or today, I pre- uh, new mesocycle started today, and uh, something I haven't done in a while, straight leg deadlifts. Nice. So, which I actually quite enjoyed, actually, yeah. So. When's the last one you did then? <sighs> God, I don't even remember. I would probably say over years ago. I haven't done anything. I haven't done a straight leg deadlift for, for a long, long time. Kind of a lot of my hamstring compound movements have focused more around things like good mornings or RDLs. Um, maybe the odd Nordic type stuff. Obviously in the gym and training in my own garage, uh, I'm a bit more limited. I do have one of those. I've got a bench with a um, an extension on so you can do kind of like quad extensions or hamstring, line hamstring curls on them, which is, you know, does a decent job. There's only so much you can do really. You could then limit to anything for barbell or you can do, I guess, do like dumbbell. I do some, some dumbbell Romanian deadlifts and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, there's only so much you can really do in a, in a garage. Uh, without some of fancy equipment, true. Some of those, some of these YouTube channels you watch, and they go to these massive American gyms. You think, oh my god, they got like 20 femin machines for each part of your body. Like, it's yeah. like I've never seen that before. Yeah, but speak, speaking of um, kind of massive gyms, obviously, I've moved house now and I've now got a double garage, so I cannot wait to get into a state of uh, being able to, to kind of get a, a, a more, more equipment in and kind of get a bit more of a proper gym in there because obviously as a single garage before only real space it had was for a squat rack um i've got some iron master adjustable dumbbells so kind of that goes up to like 35 kilos or something a bench and that was about all you can really fit in there um so it kind of pretty much stuck most of them it'd be nice now when i get it all kind of sorted out like i can maybe even start to get in a couple of machines um, maybe a hack squat. I, I'd like to get my hands on a on a decent, like a commercial hack squat, not a fucking cheap one. Because I've heard, rock, like range of motion on them are pretty poor, and they're so flimsy and shit that just most people that bought one just don't bother using them because they just don't get much out of them. So I wouldn't mind trying to find a cheap uh, commercial one, maybe like a a gym, like without being really horrible. If a gym didn't survive and close during COVID, they sell their equipment. I'd be interested in buying one. Um, but yeah, so that'd be nice. I look forward to that. <laughs> On that note, I've only just really got my because uh, I've been in the house now nearly two weeks. Um, I've only really just got my garage into a trainable kind of condition. Everything was so much junk in there. I actually didn't train for other than a few deload sessions before I moved for the best part of two weeks. Oof, how'd that feel? Uh, well, a, I said to my friend that's the first time I've trained for that long. Probably best part of five years because I think. I was trying to think back last time I probably went two whole weeks pretty much without an actual session at all. Probably when I last went to Florida where I didn't have access to a gym and I didn't go out of my way to go find one because obviously it was a holiday with the family. So, um, yeah. So I will say relatively fine actually kind of from like a mental position of not training. I didn't actually like a lot of people will probably start to mentally suffer and worry in terms of kind of their relationships of exercise creates this kind of, oh my God, I'm going to lose all my gains. I'm going to struggle and all this stuff. Or people feel guilty for not being able to exercise. And I never really got to any of those points genuinely, which surprised me really a little bit because obviously it has been so long. I mean, definitely 
I'd go back a couple of years ago, I probably would have had a panic attack thinking, what, I can't train for two weeks? What the fuck? And I would have probably really struggled, but I didn't have any of that problem at all, actually. Um, randomly, though, and this, this is random. I say random, maybe it can be explained, actually, but I don't know. I um, So my from nutritional status, I have obviously, let's say obviously, actually, sorry, for regular podcast listeners, they'll know that I stopped a dieting phase back in the middle of August and have been in a slight surplus ever since, other than, well, sorry, I had a month of kind of like gaining, uh, sorry, maintaining, and then obviously went into a small gaining phase. And I have been since then, even throughout the two weeks of training, I've still been in a surplus. And um, the day of the, I think the day of the move, and then for the following, let's say seven or eight days, I lost weight every single day to the point where I lost about four kilos. That's a lot. Or three and a bit kilos, something like that. And I, was, and I was like, what the fuck is happening? And obviously I then started to worry a little bit. Well, I didn't worry a little bit actually, but I started trying to work out what was happening, thinking, am I losing muscle? Like, losing a gains. Well, the thing is, like, I, I genuinely would have been in a, a predicted surplus, like, without a doubt. If anything, I overate. Um, if I, like, There was no way I kind of, like, accidentally underate. Like, I don't think that was possible. I think the chances are more likely I would have over, overeaten. Um, the What I could have got wrong is almost the predicted is incorrect in terms of maybe like my activity is slightly higher than I thought because obviously I was moving some boxes around and stuff but then my step count was probably lower than usual slightly but I guess maybe the uh, energy expenditure of my movement might have been higher because obviously it wasn't just walking there was moving boxes and furniture and shit around and stuff so obviously that does take a, a bit more energy expenditure so maybe that's a little bit towards but I don't know but I still don't think that would have been enough to like I don't think I did enough to really think I really overexpended energy compared to usual. Um, I kind of thought maybe it might be mental stress. Obviously, we do know there's some studies out that shows kind of like how much. Well, you, obviously, your brain runs on glucose. Um, kind of just the mental function of your brain running takes up a huge amount of your actual energy output. And there's been some studies. And I don't know how how correct or how people smarter than me would say how legitimate they are but there's been studies on things like chess masters where they've burnt a shit ton of calories playing chess because obviously the kind of the mental focus and the kind of the thought process has to go in and uh, so maybe it's a bit like this is why a lot of people when they they kind of stress or have busy days actually they don't put on weight because they're just kind of like stressing even though they're eating um i don't know if it, maybe i don't know if actually i'm speaking out of t- that tone really there or not or whether like anecdotally you could say that you kind of seen that but i thought that sometimes where i've are days where i'm really stressed and i've overeaten and i've actually kind of like lost weight I, I no okay <laughs> i i kind of i've put that down to like oh maybe i've just burnt a load of calories like all you had like stressful day where you feel tired at the end of the day and all you've done is sat at a laptop all day just working stuff like that where i think actually it's surprising how many calories or how much energy expenditure that probably does relate to. Yeah, it, it probably does, doesn't it? It's just that it is unexpected. You think, oh, I haven't done much here today. You think, oh, actually, well, yeah. you've lost, was it, eight pounds, four kilos? Yeah, pretty much, about three, three point something. So, yeah, best part of eight pounds. That is, I'd have to really try to lose eight pounds. That's what I mean. Like, bear in mind that I would have said almost for definite, I would have been in a political surplus, surplus. It's a bit weird. I did wonder whether, and again, I have no idea if there's any literature on this at all, actually, because um, it's probably not, because I don't imagine it's sort of thing to study, but maybe someone that has a more in-depth knowledge of, of the physiology of this type of thing might be able to say. But I wonder whether, obviously, you're not kind of getting that super compensation effect of kind of like... Um, 
using up glycogen and then refilling glycogen so your muscles generally hold or store more glycogen i thought maybe i'm just losing some glycogen and some some other stuff which isn't necessarily lean body mass but obviously it will weigh stuff and it will make you look smaller necessarily um which i also think sometimes it might be a case of like why then a lot of people this kind of idea of muscle memory when they can start training again they kind of start refilling up with glycogen higher than usual because they start training again um because obviously what I'm, i'm pretty sure that it's it's reasonably well accepted that you can kind of deplete glycogen and then like really try to refeed carbohydrates and restore or replenish glycogen and it will super compensate and then obviously over store that it would have done had you not have um depleted first time around yeah so it makes sense to me that probably works both ways like if you stop training it probably works the other way where you then can't hold as much glycogen as maybe you did before so therefore yeah. kind of it kind of might attribute to what might look like muscle loss and therefore weight scale weight and stuff like that as well i don't know there's just that was just kind of one theory you, you don't you don't tend to gain or lose muscle rapidly do you not not like i said i yeah i, I was thinking in my head am i really losing any muscle in two weeks bear in mind i'm still consuming high protein i'm not even in i'm not hypercaloric yes okay if you low protein hypercaloric relatively lean um you're at higher risk of losing muscle even oh, yeah. in a couple of weeks but none of those things really apply to me at that moment or right now so kind of think to myself well, it can't be that so the only thing i can think of is maybe like i said in terms of like glycogen storage or i don't know, maybe stress maybe i was holding water for a long time in, in kind of being overly stressed and the move went through and things start to settle down and i was all of a sudden oh and you then see this kind of drop of water retention cortisol related stuff and i don't know it wouldn't make sense in that you know in that time if you lose eight pounds it's not it's very unlikely to be muscle that much in it because it's, yeah. so, it's so quick in it yeah well i mean obviously it wasn't eight pounds in one day but it kind of like i dropped like a kilo first day and next day i dropped like another like half a kilo three quarters of a kilo and i was like what the fuck is going on and obviously every day it kept going down i was like jesus christ what's going on here um although it has probably gone back up kilo and a half two kilos since i've started training again so, which kind of again maybe aligns with my theory of glycogen and, and that type of stuff. So you're only a kilo and a half down, are you, roughly? Uh, yeah, roughly about that, I think. Yeah. Not bad. No, it's all right. You know, I said it makes me feel a bit better. It's come back on again. I feel a little bit. Oh, the funny thing, physically, I've not really felt any different all the way through. So, how many calories are you eating now? In the hypercaloric and how heavy you? It's very personal, Jonathan. Um, I am at the moment now about 167 kilos. No jokes, pounds. <laughs> uh, I'm probably consuming around 2,600, 700-ish. Now, obviously, people listening, might, I don't know what people's reactions would be there, but that's not a lot. Um, in both, you don't weigh a lot. You're obviously not particularly big. Or in both... Um, you know, calorie-wise, I might say it's not a lot of calories, but I guess it's all relative, really. Um, I'm not overly active, but I do a reasonable amount of steps because I am proactive in trying to actually go for some walks and just be active. Otherwise, I do like little, basically. Obviously, I don't have an active job, um, so my kind of natural lifestyle is quite sedentary, so I have to be proactive in terms of doing walking. And, you know, we've said enough times as well around the amount of calories you actually expend on a like training session you might feel really active because oh yeah i wait train five days a week i'm really active actually it's so relatively small part of your week and you don't burn many calories during that, that actual 
hour or whatever you're training those in those sessions you can still be very sedentary but but think you're active okay it's too you, you train for an hour not really train for an hour you what if a sentence so you're, yeah. you know so you're sitting down for two-thirds of it three-quarters of it yes but you know you might expend a bit more on legs and stuff because it's a bigger body part and you tend to do bigger movements but it's not much i mean you're not you're not talking it's nothing like if you're running for an hour or sparring for an hour or anything like that no it's nothing like it the the energy expenditure is just completely different that's what that's kind of what i mean by like people that go to the gym five days a week would say they're active but actually they can quite easily not be very active because they are only going there and doing a weight session or or whatever so i think that's the mistake people make when they first start off i'm gonna go to the gym to lose weight yeah all right okay you can you probably will because you, you you mentally change your habits now i want to lose mm. i'm gonna go to the gym so therefore i'm gonna eat better because i think i need to eat more and eat more i eat better to get the most of the gym I'll start buying a protein shake because I think that is what gains muscle. This is what people think. So then they replace in some shit food they would have with a protein shake, which is obviously reduced in calories. So they think, oh, this is low, you know, this is what is what uh, is dropping the weight. But really, all you need to think about in weight training is just, this is going to help me either gain muscle depending where in your training life you are, or preserve muscle when I'm in uh, a deficit. So I look good. I mean, so yeah, the the the, the dropping of fat obviously comes from your diet, doesn't it? Yeah, that's where the work is done. That's what I mean. It's, I mean, it's basically like um, health-seeking behavior models. What you just described there, in that people that make an effort to do one health-seeking behavior often does many others. So, like you say, if they decide, oh, I'm going to start running. They don't just run. They'll start eating a bit better. They'll start sleeping maybe a bit better because the exercise attributes to kind of better sleep and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, this like this knock-on effect of all these different health-seeking behaviors. And you know, it's sorry to interrupt this episode, but we just wanted to let you know that we're currently accepting applications to work with any of our coaches to help you lose weight and get shredded, or build muscle and get jacked. If you want to know more, just head over to nnncoaching.com forward slash apply. No contract links, just evidence-based coaching to make sure you get the results you've always been after. People can conflate conflate the the exercises. Oh yeah, that's what's doing the job, but actually it's not really. It's, it's all these other health-seeking behaviours that just come along for the ride. Oh yeah, 100%. If people want to exercise to, lo- to lose weight, you, the gym is not the one really... It's yeah. the best one for body composition, clearly. But if you just if you your goal is to lose weight, which it's just weight, which it shouldn't be. Well, I say that unless you're in some sort of fighting sport, but then you want to be doing some, you know. No, weight yeah, training. but I'd say let, let's not conflate that. I mean, the, the the literature, the body literature is very clear in that exercise alone is quite a poor determining factor of successful weight loss or weight. It's a bit better for weight maintenance, but I don't think it's still overly amazing. Um, nutritional intervention is far more effective so basically controlling what you eat is far more effective than trying to basically outrun the diet the two together is clearly what you want to do in that that's going to have the most effective approach a nutritional intervention and an exercise intervention is going to have a far better effect in in achieving your health or achieving your goal of weight loss or whatever it might be if you want intentional weight loss or whether you're just trying to improve your your kind of health they're going to have far better effects 
that being said, it doesn't mean you can't do like one on the other and can't be successful, but you, you do still have to pay some sort of attention. We've seen it time and time again with people that, oh, I want to lose weight, so the first thing they think of is just hit the road and start running a few times a week, and they see some success to start with because you know they've changed part of the equation that is attributing to kind of, uh, well, weight loss or weight maintenance or whatever, i.e. calories in, calories out. They've increased their calories out. Some people will naturally increase their calories in as well because it just happens because their energy expenditure and their natural regulation means that they they start to be hungry and consume more. Some people don't, and they will then start to see weight loss. But that soon plateaus as you get more efficient at cardio and the energy expenditure doesn't kind of keep up at the rates that they were before. And maybe they do start to eat a bit more as they lose weight because obviously hormone changes and I say this kind of, kind of appetite regulation doesn't manage as well. And then they plateau and don't know what to do and obviously there's only so much exercise you can do you can't start running seven like you know if you already run three or four days a week you can't start running five six seven days a week because you just burn out and you you just fatigue or you can't start yeah unless you're an ultra fucking endurance runner and you start running five hours a night which some people do and obviously i guess that then does have quite a large proportion to calorie expenditure but yeah most of us aren't or most people that are just starting to want to go oh i want to go on a, a you know on a start improving my health or start losing weight and I'm going to start running most people don't get to the point where they then turn into an ultra endurance runner do they they give up before then yeah because it's when it's novel and it's new it's, it's well it's easier to stick to but when it becomes hard because it, it running is hard isn't it yeah, yeah it, it, and then you start getting injured which the chances are you will because running is horrific for your knees and your hips your joints they, they certainly, they, obviously, there's a high, lot higher risk of injuries if you're overweight and you oh, start yeah, running. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think most people would say running isn't an ideal form of exercise for someone that's all, that's overweight, which is ironic given overweight people start to run. Um, but obviously, if you've got poor technique and you are heavier, there is more force in joints, which then obviously has a higher rate of, of injury rate. And again, I am not really speaking knowing the literature too well on that part. So I could be wrong. So if people want to correct me, by all means. But that's kind of my current understanding. I don't know if you agree, Johnny. But if, if you hear that stupid noise, it's the dog deciding to drink water right now. That does yeah. sound like a dog drinking water, actually. Exactly that. Right, why in it? On, on. <laughs> yeah, well, well, yeah. I, I see. I see quite a few. Um, See larger people run and think fair bleed, you're well done, but, but not the right way to go about it, like because you yeah. want to wreck your joints. But, but that's and, the that's you know, the detrimental effect on you later down the line. If you've got bad knees, you've got bad hips, you won't be able to do certain things, and the chances of you gaining that weight again is very uh, well. This is just my opinion, don't say there's any data on it. But if you're injured because of running to try and lose weight, and then you can't do the things you need to do, you end up became, becoming more sedentary getting a bit depressed because you can't do it and you're ignore and you're back to square one yeah. so I think it's good that they've got the motivation to do it they just need to say right you probably should just walk to start you know focus on your diet and then do another form of exercise that is better for your joints as well you know even if it doesn't burn as many calories if you're in it for the long haul if you're overweight you will be in it for the well, you should be in it for the long haul then you're better off. So, for someone who starts and a killer's dog with from a clip clop in, um, start to look like sort of irritated. <laughs> right, focus on your 
on, on the weight loss coming from your diet, go to the gym, as in weight training, to develop your body so it looks good. I lost you, Johnny. You've moved away from your mic. You're trying to obviously smack your dog or something. Move anyway, stay in the same place. No, it sounds like your mic's really muffled, like you've either moved away from it or you've covered it up. No, I haven't moved anything. Weird. Better now? That's better now. They even made a noise like, like you were ruffling it, like you had put a jumper over it or something. It's gonna, it's gonna break. Very strange. Anyway, go on. Uh, yeah, because you don't want to be a smaller version of yourself. You don't want to be the same fat that's just smaller. Um, unless you've got a health issue, you need to lose weight rapidly for, for surgery or something. Um, and then find a cardiovascular modality of training that you like, that you enjoy. People forget to think, I know this is back to running, but, you know, a sport like football or tennis, or squash or combat sports, something you enjoy that you can stick to that's not monotonous like running because you're going to you're gonna enjoy it more. And if it's with a group of people, then you tend, you're going to have a tendency to stick to it more as well. Plus, obviously, you've got the benefit of your heart. So, you know, as in a combat sport, maybe, probably the best for burning calories. You learn something new. It's technically demanding. You've got to think about it. You tend to meet new people. Those people in that environment tend to eat better, focus on training. So you you may change your, not change, but add to your f- sphere of friends as well. So which can have, which will have an influence on your weight loss as well, depending on where they are. Well, Will, uh, will Johnny, if you uh, add... Uh, people to your bubble and uh, contract COVID off them, COVID nineteen, because obviously you're seeing more people than you should. That's definitely going to have an effect on your uh, your your weight, I'd imagine. COVID, yeah, probably. <laughs> it's like a flu, if it's like, if it's like a flu, I don't know what kind of the symptoms are, but it's like flu-like symptoms. Then when you're in bed, not eating at all, and yeah, it's probably a good uh, good for weight loss. Not yeah. so much, not so much for health or muscle mass, but there we go. <laughs> Sorry, I've been I've been very very facetious. Um, <laughs> lose a lot of scale weight. Yeah, we. Do, I'm just thinking, you don't want to be adding friends right now because already can only see six people or less. Um, but anyway, I joke, I joke. So c- 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 let's let's go going back to like the the training and kind of like me not training for two weeks. Um, because we went off on a large tangent, but um, what's very interesting is that I purposefully uh, or proactively try to follow our own advice that we've given of on this podcast before of like when I started training again to make sure that I went in very low volume low intensity as in terms of intensity of effort so like my RER was pretty high reps and reserve that is for people that aren't aware um, or you know you could also call it RPE rate of perceived exertion um, which would be very high uh, sorry very low um, so basically leaving a lot of reps left to failure so we talk about failure obviously at the start of this podcast or know if i was rating how hard i was working having quite a low rating so to make sure basically that i was staying away from failure not causing too much fatigue and obviously also having let's say relatively low workloads in terms of like sets um because i just didn't want to get like sore and i still couldn't do it it was weird i went for i did so i did a training session i think with let's take a leg session like two quad exercises uh well sorry let's sorry so one compound two hamstring one quad, which obviously does cover. So basically, the compound was back squats. So obviously, there is obviously a reasonably high quad focus on that, but still, um, 
I think I did two sets of each. So you could argue basically eight sets on quads and hamstrings, um, albeit one from being a compound exercise. Um, and then I did, I think, three sets of calves. And so you, most people would argue that's quite like reasonably low-ish volume for a session. Yeah. Um, all of them, I made sure I stayed four plus reps in reserve or higher, probably four, around f- like four or five, basically reps in reserve. So like RP of you know five or six, um, and I was still very sore for the next two or three days, like to the point where I did two sets of back squats um, at a lower intensity than I would usually do, um, and let's say relative and a very high RAR really, and I think I bent over or something to pick up a weight from from the floor to start racking for doing some remaining deadlifts or something like that i remember like the my adductors on the inside of my thighs or my like the back of my hamstrings were like they felt like they were splitting and i was like what the fuck is just happened i've just done two low intensity sets of back squats and i my, my muscles feel like they're so wrecked after that that they actually feel like they're splitting just bending over like what's happened that's what it's so weird like how that be so i had to then make sure that i really tried to manage the next like week of, of training um just to kind of keep that like, as much as I, I could keep that relative intensity low and just try to manage that fatigue so it wasn't going to fuck me up basically again so i couldn't kind of do any more sessions that week um but it's still really hard still so sore so for me it just shows how important and how effective the repeated bout effect is in in that like when you kind of go through training and you kind of get the repeat about effect where it protects you against this damage for following sessions so you just don't get a sore over time like when you do have a couple of weeks off that repeat about effect just disappears and then you're like almost basically like a newbie again and you just go and you do one session you're sore as fuck it's so like it was ridiculous honestly i was surprised at how long it takes you to build up like size strength stamina and then within two weeks you're aching like mad after you know, yeah. a set where maybe it's half the volume of normal, yeah. really low intensity. You think, oh my god, surprising. Yeah, and, and even I would say, like, I felt weaker, which you know you could probably understand. But a lot of people, go, oh, you don't lose strength after a couple of weeks. And yes, you you don't lose strength over over a couple of weeks. But there are a number of factors which meant that I basically just couldn't lift as heavy. Technically, obviously, you no know, out of practice, you know, maybe a little bit weaker or whatever. Um, and it's just like that can be so off putting for people. To think, oh fuck! Like I just, I've only taken two weeks off, and look, I feel like I'm back to square one. But I think obviously you do have to take some comfort or kind of reassure yourself that it does come back just as quick. Like my session to the, my so this is my second or my third leg session, but my second week basically back training again after a couple of weeks of non-training, and already like weights rocketing up again compared to last week compared to what I thought I could do and stuff. So it does show you how quickly like though that that strength will return, and again it aligns in that idea of like like a muscle memory. Um, and you could say like all this this kind of chat when you think back and then compare it to the conversation we had about my weight maybe again that all kind of confirms or like agrees with some of the stuff I said around either like glycogen and muscle size or or, or kind of like that muscle memory type of idea all of those things really that kind of lines actually yeah that would make sense then if I was kind of losing some kind of muscle fullness because I wasn't able to kind of hold as much glycogen that can contract as well or just doesn't align so well with strength and then you know, it's still starting to come back a bit as my weight's going up. I'm starting to feel a bit stronger in the gym. It kind of all makes sense. Well, yeah, 100%. It does, make, it does make sense, all that, with your uh, weight loss familiar. Um, so, yeah, I thought I'd bring that up about the, the train thing. Like I say, it just 
again just reiterate to people like if you have time off don't go in and try and fuck yourself up in the first session because you're so eagerly keen to to train again and you go and do a billion sets because you will be sore as hell yeah and then it, it could even affect you in the next session as in the next session you do that session you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it would have done. I think like if if I'd have gone say like three or four sets per muscle group rather than two or per exercise, I should say, um, I honestly don't think I'd have been able to then do another session on the Wednesday. Like obviously that was the Sunday, and I don't think I'd have I'd have recovered in time for the Wednesday because I barely did as it was. And that's the thing. I think, but a lot of people just don't don't even think about the repeated but they don't even know what exists they just go in and I just I've, I've been off for like after after the COVID thing innit? I've been training even years I've been off four months now you know? just go in and just go back to exactly what I was when I uh, before the COVID you're like oof been for a rude awakening there especially for you won't be able to do the same week you're doing all reps you'll be fatigued plus you're going to be wrecked for a week after it probably especially if you're doing legs or something yeah but it's, but it's surprising, isn't it? Surprising what, um, if you're not interested in training, how much you don't learn, how much, how much you, you're leaving in the tank, maybe, of your progress by not being interested in learning more about what you're doing. Well, instead, you know, what you mean is people just do, going through the motions, as in just going to the gym, just kind of doing what they think is right, but not actually bothering to learn about scientific principles. Is that what you mean? No, it's not, yeah, yeah, it's not even scientific principles, it's just about learning a bit more about training. You don't have to delve into the science, really, you just, you know, just learn something about it, you know what I mean? Just, I don't know, people yeah. don't do it. Like, there's a, there's a few women in my gym, right? They're obviously very good looking, in very good shape. Don't be sexist, Johnny. Oh, they are, it's just a fact, isn't it? <laughs> but they're not in shape because of what they do, they're in shape because they genetically like that, not because of what they do in the gym. Let's put it that way. Because they come in, well, one of them came in today. She came in and she done, uh, what she do? It's like side laterals and rears at pathetic intensity. Low, you know, nothing, nothing to it. Not breathing on nothing. And then walked out in 20 minutes and said, what is the point of you being here? What's the point? Why bother? Why bother? It's like, do you generally think that's gonna do anything? No, not at all. Because you're not in the you're not in the range or you're even close to failure to even elicit a response. What's the point? Mm. Well, I think I think that also gets into people's mentality of I've started the gym. Look at all these people. You know, they are like this because they train like that. Well, not really. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. a lot well, of the time, not a lot of the time, but some of the time because genetically they that's how they are. Yeah, well, I was going to say, like, obviously, we—I guess—we don't know any of her context no, no. or background or history or whatever. No. But I mean, I, I get the point you're making. I think um, what I would what I would say in, in that kind of scenario is like people that are in decent shape, or a lot of people in decent shape. You could you could argue or, or guess really that it is probably either genetics or it might just be consistency. In that they might not be doing things very well, but if they're doing it consistently over time, you'll yeah. still get results. Like even if you're, even if you are, your training quality is not particularly great. If you go to gym every day, or if not every day, but if you if you train consistently um, over a long period, five, 10 years, you're still gonna have good results, even if it wasn't optimal, or even if it was pretty poor, you know, you still get a, lo- a long way from just turning up. Yeah, 100%. You don't need to be perfect to make progress too. Yeah. And in the case of that that female, she's probably you would think relatively active, 
day to day in her life, and she probably eats pretty well, decently well, or even even not even decently well, but at maintenance or below. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, maybe her natural yeah way of eating in terms of kind of like hormonal regulation and just kind of like general habits or kind of like natural habits that she's been brought up with that might align to someone that just naturally maintains their weight as they are yeah. um, which is often the case you know a lot of the people i actually it wasn't even that long ago only a few weeks ago i put a facebook status out that said like just the thought this is what it said it said just the thought a lot of people if not most people that are slim don't even know why they are it's true and it is true, it's kind of oh. like because they just naturally eat in a way that kind of manages their weight at that level, whether that's kind of like set point theory, settling point theory, whether it's just genetics, however you want to call it, or, you know, all of these different hypotheses as to why. It's kind of like just one of those things where the way they eat, what they eat, all this type of stuff, it's completely unconscious or subconscious. It's not something that they're consciously doing. Whereas other people that are overweight, generally, if they ever do manage to kind of maintain their weight, almost always have a a, a conscious kind of like hold or, or thought or relationship with food for like a long time or arguably probably the rest of their lives mm. to maintain a weight. They have to almost constantly think about what they're eating, constantly worry about it because, and that's the difference between someone who's naturally, in air quotes, like slim versus someone that is, you know, being overweight at some point in their life. Yeah, that's often Which the case. Than same, because you're going to be two people, you could have two females or two men in the same condition, but have come from totally different places. Yeah. One who finds it easy to be like they are, one who finds it very difficult to be like they are. Yeah, that 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 was a uh, like it was a program a few years back on one of the one of the networks, like the British networks, like Channel Four or BBC or something, where it was like I can't remember what it's called, but it's like the the secret to thin people or something like that. I don't know. Um, some just names like that, and I was like, I know this, I know that, I know the answer already. Like, I don't need to watch this program to know the answer. But it was, and it is kind of almost exactly what you thought. Like the people that are naturally thin, again in air quotes, just had behaviours that just helped them maintain an energy balance and consume like lower calories overall, without having to ever think about it. And like basically, what they did in this program, the premise was they just took like some overweight people, and they obviously found some like kind of people that were effortlessly slim and followed them around for however long and just watched what they did and basically it was exactly what you'd expect the thin people just moved naturally more or were just more active or busier than the overweight people and they just naturally ate less than the overweight people and that was just the other way around for the the overweight people they were less busy less active and just ate more like the, the thin people that I, I don't know there was like they they showed they 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 obviously cleverly tried to make the program um kind of entertaining or interesting by like showing the thin people at the start only eating McDonald's and um you know like snacking on sausage rolls and basically things like foods that we all know people like you know, if you work in an office you'll often see people like oh that person's so thin and all they do is eat shit all day like how do they manage it I only have to look at cake and I'm and I go overweight what what's happening yeah. um what they don't realise is like those people in this in this program, like the person that had McDonald's, all they ate that day was that McDonald's. They didn't eat anything else. And the next day they barely ate because they just went hungry because they had McDonald's the day before and they felt full from that. Just stuff like those sort of types of behaviours. And like that person was a busy mum and she was like constantly running around after her kids cleaning up and whatever else. And like she's really active. Um you know, and it's like actually yeah, it doesn't doesn't really take a rocket science to work out exactly 
why that person's thin actually because on the face of it if you take a like a, a cross-section or a snapshot of their life eating mcdonald's it looks like they can basically eat all the shit and maintain their weight and they're the luckiest people in the world when in reality you're missing all of those extra parts that shows them when they're really active and not eating for long periods because they're too busy doing other stuff looking after their kids and stuff like that um it's like anyway. everyone's you the person who goes oh i had a big breakfast this morning i can't eat all day i'm like you what you can't eat all day after breakfast so unless you're having 3,000 guys at breakfast, how is that possible? Yeah. And they are the people who can maintain with very, very easily. Oh, I've had breakfast this morning now at 7 o'clock. I, I don't have anything to eat now until tonight. Yeah. I go, really? Yeah. I, I've said, I mean, I've said that about my wife like before. Like, I was, If you watched her evening eating behaviours, you'd think to yourself, I don't know how she maintains any resemblance of a normal body weight because she'll sometimes often go through their almost like most nights half a family-sized bar of chocolate after eating dinner and stuff like that and you think to yourself you must be like i don't you must be so lucky being able to like do that every single night and, and not put on weight but what they don't realize is she does not eat breakfast she like she she just never hungry when she wakes up if anything she might have a couple of like Belvita biscuits type things um, with a cup of tea but other than that often she's so busy with work all day that she either eats very little or nothing for lunch so she ends up only eating basically like a reasonably well-balanced calorie-controlled meal that I cook in the evening. So eating five, six hundred calories of a dairy milk bar at night time is quite easily done for her. And she'd probably still be kind of easily maintaining like energy balance. So, but if you only looked at the dairy milk in the evening, you'd think to yourself, fucking hell, how has she managed to maintain her weight? That's the thing, it's hard to, you could, you couldn't, you'd never know do you, what someone's doing in their life. But we we one shot of them. No, exactly. But we do as coaches because one, we understand the scientific principles of kind of thermodynamics. So you know that if someone is maintaining the weight, then there is something going on that if you think they are consuming huge amounts of calories, you know as as I do that they can only be either incredibly active or you've got the wrong context of the picture because they're obviously not consuming huge amounts of calories and that just looks like it because you know that there's a, that's the only way because thermodynamics cannot be broken um no. but obviously people that don't understand that get the wrong impression in the wrong context and that's when they then fall foul and they start kind of having their own problems because they feel like they're guilty like oh why can't i do that like why does that person manage to be thin and eat all the stuff they want and i and i'm just so like it's unfair it's not fair that i i could say i can look at cake but that's in reality that actually you need a reality (laughs) this really sound really harsh now but it's like they maybe do need a bit of reality check or need to understand that that person is not the case they can eat what they want they just are naturally eating what they want which doesn't happen to be a lot it just looks like a lot to you but actually, your eating habits might be worse, and you're eating more than them, and that's why you're overweight and they're not. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing is that you can't. That's why you shouldn't really compare yourself to other people because everybody's everybody's different, not biologically, but in their life, yeah. mentality, habits, experiences, and blah blah blah. Genetics. Yeah, and it's like go, oh, I can't gain weight. Why are you eating it? Oh, I'm eating loads. I'm like, no mate, you ain't eating loads at all. You're eating like a bird. You you you're eating you're eating a fifteen hundred calorie meal like fucking yeah, I'm eating loads. And then you don't eat for two days because you've been so stuffed and just can't bring yourself to have any more appetite after that. That's yeah, basically that's generally that. what happens. You think you eat a lot because they're only again, they're only thinking about that one meal they ate. Yeah. I've had family members go, I'm I I wanna get bigger, training, blah blah blah. I'm eating loads, we're not getting weight. So what are you eating then? And it's like fifteen hundred calories a day, oh my god, that's not enough. It's, that's that's nothing. No. There's nothing. Get 
get on whatever happens. Obviously, it depends on the weight, it? but retweet a lot more than that. So you're not, and they think, oh yes, really, or they have a misconception of food that they might think a food is high in calorie when it's really not. You know, people think, oh, protein shakes are high in calorie. Well, not really. Not, when I show not, them asking their shakes. Yeah, right? so that, not, not if it's just whey. Yeah. But it works opposite around, doesn't it? It's like people like who don't understand nutrition as much. They might think, oh, I need a protein shake to lose weight then. And they go and buy a, a masculine shake. And they go, oh, they're giving it. Oh, this is, I, I'm not, I'm eating hardly anything. Yeah, be drinking a thousand calories in a shake. <laughs> so yeah. I mean? I, I, I remember, um, I think it was on one of those Stronger by Science podcasts, Greg Knuckles was talking about someone that he coached um, loosely. I think someone either he kind of, uh, like maybe went to uni with or something, I don't know. But, he told this guy that this guy had to go on like some extreme crash weight loss for either a sport or he had to make weight for something. And he said, realistically, the only, or maybe it was like, I was going away for fucking spring break or something. I don't know. But he basically said, the only way you're realistically going to do that is if you literally do like a protein spare modifying fast for a few weeks. So basically only eat, um, I don't know, like protein shakes, chicken, green vegetables kind of thing. And obviously it's not helpful. It's not ideal, but if you do it for a short period of time, you might make it kind of thing. And, um, the guy was putting on weight and he was like, what the fuck's going on? And obviously, then he's asking questions. He realized because he said exactly what you were doing. His protein shakes were like a thousand calorie mask energy shakes. <laughs> and he was like, I didn't really like chicken breast. So I was eating like chicken thighs and everything else. And it's like, actually, you consumed about 5,000 calories a day when you're supposed to be going on a protein spare modified fast. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, got that wrong then. It's like, you need to really understand. Cool. That, that shows you how being like clear uh, and, uh, and, and kind of providing context is so important. So people don't get it wrong. And we, 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 we know that's coaching. Yeah. yeah. We know as coaching though, don't we? As, oh, as coaches, I should say that is, we've seen client after client make like similar mistakes and those types of things where you, as a coach, you start to learn and start to highlight up front that the types of mistakes client make, clients make. Um, even to the point of like weighing foods raw instead of, like if they are tracking, if they're using tracking methods, like weighing foods raw or cooked and or like the importance of make sure you track certain foods and, and those things because it's so easily done. Um, and they, they all kind of aligns this point we're talking about in terms of people not understanding the behaviours or the things that add up to like energy balance because it goes unrecognised. Like, I guess like, I don't know, some people dieting can feel really restricted because they really feel like they're kind of putting in a lot of effort and restricting kind of, uh, or, or using like a restrictive model or method which has to happen obviously because we have to restrict calories if we are to lose weight because clearly that's you know the only way we're going to adhere to the principle of weight loss you know calorie deficit um but there obviously are different ways of doing that ones that feel more or less restricted than others and you can have methods where they feel more restrictive but actually not adhering to calorie deficit because they feel restricted but they're doing things like eating chicken thighs instead of chicken breasts so it feels restricted but they're actually still consuming quite high calorie amounts or the mask and shake example so they're basically feeling really restricted for no reward and that can be so demoralizing and be such an issue um where then people just give up and they're like oh, i can't do this because of you know this is such hard work i'm not getting nothing back and it's clearly because they're just they're kind of they just need a nudge on the right path instead of kind of the this type yeah. of behaviors so but anyway we've gone on a long time mate. it's nearly an hour and we didn't even talk about the topic we were going to talk about. <laughs> oh, well, it's still irrelevant. Yeah. Not relevant to the topic, but relevant to... I say relevant, it was... It's... Well, hopefully it's been mildly interesting. Yeah, mildly interesting. Just give it a bit of value, I think. Well, just, you know, thought to get people thinking about stuff, really. So, um, on that note, uh, 
let's sign off there. Um, right, you know, rate, subscribe, review, all that shit, please. If you don't mind, it does help us um, kind of reach more people. And obviously, you know, it's just kind to do that to people as well. So if you want to be a kind person, then please do. Um, little shout out to Eat Lean, my favourite company. Um, obviously, an N10 for your discount, but still, uh, that wasn't what I was going to say. I was going to say there's a new product coming out soon. Can't say what it is though. Ooh. I'll, t- I'll tell you off air, Johnny. I can't, I can't say it now, can I? I'll, be, I'll have to beep it out. Um, but I haven't had it yet. I've got I've got it in the fridge, but I haven't had it. So I can't really say whether I think it's going to be good or, or I can't say whether it is good or not. But I do think it's going to be good. Um, I've got high hopes for it. So, And I will be honest, if it's not, I will say. But there's been very little they've made that I've actually thought doesn't have a place. I think most products they've made have been either been very, very good or do at least have a place. Like, you know, the, the original block still has a place in many people's diets um anyway i'm not going to go into that right now because obviously open a hot massive debate of me defending my love um anything else you need to chat about was that it i think that's it i think that's it okay um well i hope you enjoyed that uh i did it was interesting um and we will say au revoir um arrivederci did i say that last time you said that last time um, what's goodbye in Wales? Oh, well, in Wales, fuck me, my English is just as bad as yours. What's what's goodbye in Welsh? Um, I don't know. Isn't it something like "gnag gog dog"? No, it's something simple. Hoilvauer. There we are. All right. Ho- didn't didn't he play for Holland? Uh, he sounds like he sounds like a Dutch guy. <laughs> thing is. I was going to Welsh school now, so she's usually slagging me off in a few years in Welsh. I wonder what she's saying. Yeah, well, need what you need to do, mate, is learn Welsh, and therefore don't and and don't tell her, and therefore you understand what she's saying without her knowing. That's true. I should. Good idea, uh, isn't it? A little bit from my like already. Mm. She's picked up quite a few bits and bobs. Like, and I try to understand. She's she said I want um oh some Welsh on on YouTube. On my kids' YouTube, there's a Welsh song that they sing in class. That obviously, they go on YouTube now, and it's just the words are all in Welsh. I was like, ah, I don't know what you're saying. What are you saying? I don't understand. Da da, getting tampered with, get annoyed. Is this one da da? Oh my god, I don't know it. How do you spell it? <laughs> Better mind, she's only three, so she can't really convey it in English. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that, well, I don't know that in the kind of the Welsh aspect because obviously. I'm not Welsh, neither is my three-year-old, but um, I get the sentiment. Right, on that note, mate, let's say Arrivederci then. <laughs> no, Arrivederci. Arrivederci, yeah. all right. Bye. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week. <laughs>